Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So excited to be back. Welcome into UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. I am Stephen Diener. Over there is Karen Curtis. Hello. And we have, uh, oh man, we got some good ones here for you today on other Roswells. So, of course, I'm sure you've heard of 1947, Roswell, New Mexico. You've heard of it, right, Karen? I have. And, you know, I think people, their eyes glaze over when you talk about UFOs and Roswell and all of that because they've heard it so many times. And it's like, yeah, little green men or whatever, little gray guys, then they they thought it was a weather balloon. But give us a little background on what that is, because we're talking about other ones. And one of them happened in Mexico and it shares the same desert as where the Roswell incident went down. That's right. Yeah, they call it uh, Mexico's Roswell. So we're going to hit that here in, in a little bit. But of course, the original Roswell, when, when you hear Roswell, you know, you think about, you know, Area 51 and you think about movies and TV shows and all wild stories. But it all goes back to July 1947, a couple of years after World War II ended. So, of course, you know, a lot of security is still heightened at that point. We're trying to develop new technology and things like that. And there was a crash in the desert of Roswell, New Mexico, and it was and reported in the papers that the U.S. Uh, Air Force had recovered alien technology. They had recovered a UFO, and then that was later retracted oh, yeah, the next no. day because, oh, no, no, no. We well, can't say that. exactly, the military got to them and say, no, say it was a weather balloon, and well, the rest is history. Well, it was at the Roswell Army Airfield that issued a press release, and it said that they had recovered a flying disc. Right. From a ranch near Roswell. And the Army then quickly retracted the statement and said, it's a no, no, no. The crashed object was a conventional weather balloon. Of course it was. You silly goose. And so it didn't resurface till the late 1970s again when ufologists got all over it. Yeah. And then you have, and we'll get into this another time too, we have people like Bob Lazar who say that, you know, they, they worked in that area and they saw the aliens and all that good type of stuff. So, you know, we've all seen the videos and the pictures of the alien autopsies and whether yes. or not those are real. But, you know, the thing about it is a lot of people already know a good amount, maybe not the fine details of the Roswell incident, but, you know, it's, it's in the American lexicon. So what we wanted to do was let's look at other Roswells, so to speak, other incidents like Roswell throughout the United States and throughout the world that uh, are just as famous, if not for more famous, but they don't get as much coverage and notoriety. I just want you to differentiate between Area 51 and Roswell yes. because um, actually the CIA for the first time acknowledged the existence of the base June 25th, 2013, right. following a FOIA Freedom of Information request. Um, and Area 51 is the name. It's a highly classified Air United States Air Force facility. That's right in in Nevada, um, about was about uh, 80 miles or so north northwest of Las Vegas, or 83 miles for the exact coordinates. And it, it's um, yeah, it's a top secret military base. They developed a lot of technology there over the past 60, 70 years. Things like you know the uh, the B two bomber, uh, you know the, the spy planes, the you know U five seven one, the Lockheed U two aircraft. Right. So Roswell is not Area fifty one. No, so Area fifty one is over in uh, Nevada, in the middle of nowhere in the desert. 
um, all that different type stuff. So, and, and then Roswell is in New Mexico. So it's, it's all up. desert. Why do, I, why do I get them mixed up? Because they're always linked together. I think that's what it is. It's, you know, people think Roswell, they think of Area 51, but they're actually two separate places. It's two different states. So, <laughs> Karen. If we're going to, no, it's not just you. No, I, I thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, of course. But there's always been, you know, intense secrecy surrounding the base. So, yeah, I mean, they develop all types of technology there. But, you know, there's different reports of people who work at Area 51. You know, top secret military people that work for, say, Skunk Works out of out of Lockheed. Didn't they take the wreckage and the aliens from Roswell to Area 51? They say, and also they talk about it being taken to uh, a base in Ohio. I forget the name off the top of my head. Um, but it's that always been moved be around. And, you know, but there's reports of people who work at Area 51. They have to fly in on, you know, private jets on the airstrip. And they're taken through all these back channels and tunnels and things like that. Huh. So it's... um. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I said, did I say U five seven one earlier? That's a submarine movie. I meant the <laughs> the SR seven one spy plane. There you go. <laughs> Probably somebody screaming at me saying, "What is this moron talking about?" U five seven one. You figured it's it out. Matthew McConaughey was in that. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was right. He was. Yes. The SR seven one, the spy plane. So yeah, a lot of technology has been developed there, but two different things. And uh, like we said, there's a lot of other stories that are just as intriguing, if not more intriguing, that you're going to hear today about other Roswells. Yes. Do you have any factoids, though? Oh, to start us off? Yes. I know you always like to have a factoid oh, first. Oh, no. I... Let's just say that entire thing was one big factoid. How about that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, there's got to be something that I can talk about. Are you going to pull a factoid out of thin air right now? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's happening? <laughs> no, I think you should, you know what, instead of my factoid, you should go ahead and tease next week's show because it's just such a doozy that I am speechless. I, I'm not sure if the people are ready for that yet. I so I'm gonna know. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to the tease. It has to do with Obama on Mars. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna tell you. Just wait for that one uh, later on and especially next week on the other episode. That's uh, going to come up you know, next time. But if you want to hear any other episodes that you might have missed before we get into the other Roswells here, you can always go to 850WFTL.com where the show lives. And of course, right on there, anywhere you get your, your podcast on Apple, on Spotify, or podcast1.com where you can subscribe and listen to all the other episodes you might have missed and get ready for all future episodes like next week when we talk about Obama on Mars as oh, a teenager. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what is that? Get ready for that one. But... To, to start off here, Karen, how about we go to Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, Let's. where they had their own Roswell-type incident. They did. It was, and it was shaped like a an acorn. That's it right. Was, it was a giant alien squirrel dropped his nut. I guess so. <laughs> when chasing it. <laughs> yeah, it happened oh, December 9th, which was my mom's birthday. Oh wow. 1965, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. A fireball reported by citizens of six U.S. states. And what was weird about it is that they were all from different places and they had the same story. Correct. And that's, see, that's the kind of stuff that always intrigues me. Just like when we talked about in the previous episodes about ancient aliens where you had, you know, the same type of descriptions of, you know, sky people from people in Egypt to the Incas. I mean, how does that happen? So when you have the same reports of people over Canada, too, they saw this in 1965. And then you have people in Detroit. You have people, right. you know, in Pennsylvania. And they're talking about the same sighting. And right. so you can't have, look, Twitter wasn't around in 1965, okay? So you right. couldn't exactly That's right. go right on and, and see what somebody was saying. You couldn't text your, your, you know, your buddy in Detroit while you're in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. So you, you have people in different locations of the country and in other countries in Canada who had no way of 
communicating with each other other than calling up your buddy on the telephone and saying, hey, are you seeing this? And you all know what happens with the telephone yeah, game. exactly. So it changes, but this didn't change. They they all have the same type of description. And well, but so in 2005, NASA released a statement saying that they examined some fragments found in the area and said they were from a Soviet satellite or I guess the Sputnik is their capsule. But anyway, uh, the records and their findings were lost in the 1990s. So right. But here's some sound from people who actually saw this acorn fireball, which actually what uh, astronomers said was a burning meteor bolide sure, burning we, up yeah, in the atmosphere. Sure. Here we go. The wife and I seen the, the streak in the sky and heard it on the radio. The object fell down over this hillside to my right. Well, this was the front page of the, of the morning edition of the Tribune Review. We cannot eliminate the possibility that it could be extraterrestrial. So these people, most of them don't even know each other. But what they don't know is so many of these people gave me those little details of what they experienced that night in 1965. And those little details confirm other people's accounts. We stood up here for hours, at least. I was here at least two or three hours standing right here. But it was something that went out of control come down in Kecksburg. Yeah, the wife and I seen it. That's right. That's how I start a story usually. So it's <laughs> the wife and I seen it. <laughs> yes, Karen, a little inside joke there. Karen always makes fun of me because when I talk about my wife, I start off the story the wife and I. He always uses the determiner. That's right. So we found that funny there. He said the same thing. But it was uh look, this is this is intriguing because again, you have multiple witnesses in multiple states. This was an interstate sighting. And it's actually an inter country sighting yeah. with, with Canada involved International. Too. International. Inter-country. What am That's I thinking? That's cool. It's a ne- neologism. I'm going but with what's that. what's so interesting is they have a festival too. And yes. we have a picture of it up at our blog on A50 WFTL and go to the uh, UAP blog. That's right. But th- it's quite funny. They, they recreate this acorn shaped thing mm-hmm. and they have like alien costumes on. It's kind of cute. But it's their Roswell. It is, and actually it is commonly referred to as the Pennsylvania Roswell. So this is this was a big thing. It happened, what, 18 years after the actual Roswell incident in New Mexico. And, you know, when you have multiple people, multiple sightings, interstate sighting, international, not intercountry, international sighting, talking about the same type of glowing acorn-shaped fireball that's coming down, and you see it crashing. At a steep angle. At a steep angle. And then what happens to the wreckage? Nobody knows. Uh, so if it's a meteorite, okay, let's just go with NASA's explanation of some type of Soviet satellite or, or meteorite, a bolite. Where is the wreckage? Nothing was ever found because basically, what they say anyway, is the story goes, is that it was taken by the military and covered up. And then you have these stories about Soviet satellites and bolites from space that, quite frankly, the people who witnessed it don't buy because they know what they saw and they stand by it to this day. So it just is one of those things that, that makes you wonder, Karen, what did they see that night in 1965 on the Pennsylvania Roswell incident? So if there's nothing left, how do they know it was an acorn shape? Well, just because of the description they saw as it was as it falling, down. right? Exactly, oh. and they say that sounds like a capsule, though. Like it a, does, yeah. And some people say that they actually saw the military recovering this thing and driving oh, away with it. Oh, there you go. So look again. We always tell you, we're not here to tell you what to believe. We give you the story and you make up your own mind. If you think it's BS, by all means. If you think there's something to it, well, we're glad we can entertain you and and intrigue your little minds. I didn't know about it, so that's cool. It's pretty wild. So, 
Uh, moving on to Mexico's Roswell, the Chihuahua UFO crash. That's woof, right. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> it's, um, it's, this is the one that shares the same desert as the Roswell incident. It's uh, actually along the Rio Grande mm-hmm. River near the Texas border town of Presidio. That's right. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's funny because I, I kind of pride myself on being up on all these wild stories of UFOs, UAP, the history of this. I didn't even know all the fine details really? of this one. I always heard about That's the, weird. I always heard about it, Mexico's Roswell, but I never actually kind of dove deep into it uh, until recently when we were doing the research for this episode. And I... I don't know. I think this might be even more interesting than the original Roswell in New Mexico. It is because, so it was 10 o'clock at night, August 25th, 1974, as I said, along the Rio Grande River near the Texas border, this thunderous explosion in the sky, Mm -hmm. it shattered the stillness of the warm summer night. Oh, it's like a book. The (laughs) The unidentified flying disc was traveling 2,500 miles an hour. I mean, you don't, even when you go on Mach 3, you're not, you're, no. I mean... And then they said it collided with a small airplane heading south from El Paso, Texas. And here's some sound about that. I was speaking to some of the local town people. The flight path of the UFO would have been from the south, which is Brownsville, Texas. Coming over, swinging over, going northeast, over that mountain peak there. The impact site is on the other side of that The other side of that mountain. Well, we've discovered wreckage of a plane that's strewn about out here in the desert. It could be the plane that crashed with the UFO. I can't really know that until we analyze this and find something anomalous on it, maybe some kind of radioactivity or something that would give us a clue that maybe there was some contact with the UFO. So it's, and another thing about this, Karen, is that it was seen on radar because we always talk That's about, right. you know, to give more credibility. Evidence. Right. You have to have some type of evidence. It's just like a criminal case. What's the evidence? Exactly. You, can, you, you know, you can have accusations, but what's the evidence? It's all circumstantial. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> In this case, you have, again, eyewitness sightings, but you also have, you know, not only eyewitness sightings to a midair collision, but eyewitness sightings from trained uh you know, air traffic controllers who are seeing this thing on radar making sudden movements, right angles, left angles, crazy, going at crazy speeds that really, in 1974, the only thing that was going at that speed were experimental rockets or, you know, things like that that were getting ready to send into space. You're going to the moon on an Apollo mission. So other than that, what else could be flying at that speed that is going into Mexican airspace? Nothing. I mean, it really, I mean, the flaming wreckage miles, of both wow. the aircraft ba- basically fell into the Mexican desert. And then they there were two governments. Obviously, we were and the Mexicans were trying to recover the technology that may have or may not have crashed there. Right. No, ex- exactly. And so, of course. But they're saying that they found the wreckage of the plane. I don't know. Uh, from 74? I'm not sure. You know, some of the stuff on some of these other shows that investigate these things, some of them are kind of hokey. But again, you know, you make up your own mind. They, just threw, they threw a propeller and some glass and some <laughs> metal metal in the desert and go, look what we found. We found wreckage. It's very possible. You never know. It's, you know, some of these TV shows. But that's not what we do here. No. We give you the facts or at least the stories that are out there. And again, we, you know, you make up your own mind we just want to let you know what's going on with it and what what i find so intriguing about this one karen is people saw the explosion of course it was reported i mean this was an faa incident right because a plane did go down right so of course the cover story that ends up coming out even though the u.s military is rushing to mexico to go after this wreckage the cover story that comes out is well it was a drug smuggling plane that that crashed 
then why is U.S. military hauling you know what to Mexico? Right. To try to recover oh, something. Oh, a drug plane. Got it. Yeah. Well, I don't count that out, but what hit it? That's what we want to know. Right. I mean, what, And was, why was it going so fast? Yes. How fast does a meteor go? Does it go 2,500 miles an hour? I mean, I, I guess it can. I'm not exactly sure. But what I do know is that meteors don't change angles like that suddenly. Right angles, left angles, all these different things and being picked up on radar like That's that. That's right. It's yeah. So you had something that was making those movements. It was maneuvering. Yes. That on radar, we know as a fact that it was something making those movements, something going that fast and something that crashed into this small plane in midair. It did happen. The question is, what was it? What made that happen? And that's always been the question for this uh, Mexico's Roswell. And people have been trying to investigate it and, and figure this thing out for a long time, since 1974. Yeah, it's a while. And actually, I mean, this this was such a uh, a, a big story, such a unsolved mystery, you know, something that people have talked about for years. It, it was actually a book, and it was called Mexico's Roswell, the Chihuahua UFO Crash. So it's, uh, you know, again, doing the research, you come across these things. It's on Amazon. <laughs> I don't know the guys. I mean, if you want to look into the book and buy it, go ahead. I don't yeah. care. It's not like this is an endorsement or anything, but it's it's, it's just such an interesting story. It's it compelling. Is. It is compelling. You know, and again, with, with Roswell, it's always more sexy because it was the big first, you know, mass sighting. It was in the newspapers, reports of alien bodies strewn across the desert. That was back when the news, you know, reported the news. Well, and now it's like, whoa, <laughs> it doesn't fit the narrative. We got to change that. Yeah, you're not sure sometimes. But but they reported it and then they retracted it. So right. that's interesting because someone went, wait a minute. Right. No, no, no. And that timeline, too, just to kind of go back to that real quick of 1947, the original Roswell incident. That goes back, if you listen to the previous episodes, when we talked about the Majestic 12 a few episodes ago, being formed around the 1947 area-ish, at the same time around Roswell, because once that happened, they realized, well, hmm, how do we get out in front of these things next time? around yeah and, so uh, we don't tip our hand and, exactly and report exactly what happened and the majestic 12 some of their or most of their responsibility was come up with cover stories investigate wow. in secret and come up with cover stories and basically lie to people on what's really happening what they think the public can't handle it i i don't know if it's that they can't handle it and that's really been one of my questions for a long time karen is why doesn't the government disclose more? Now, we know we started this podcast because of the, the government disclosure towards UFOs and the you know the congressional report that came out basically stating that, yes, UFOs are real. We don't know what they are. There's They're not like, ours. We have 150 <laughs> of them that we can definitely say are unidentified, some kind of flying object, and therefore it lends validity to the fact that there could be alien life. Right. And you even had the director of NASA, Bill Nelson, coming out recently saying that, yeah, you know, we don't know what some of these things are and we have to have the discussion of if it's not an adversary, then is it alien life? And, you know, he's, his comment was, who am I to say that aliens aren't real, that they don't exist? You know, he's there's an astronaut, some... he should know. Right. You know, and this is a, a comment from the director of NASA. Like you said, he was an astronaut, Bill Nelson. He was his senator too, I Forever. believe. Right, for Florida. So it's, you know, it's, it's there's more and more disclosures, more and more acknowledgement at least, but there's never been that full disclosure from the U.S. government. So the question is, why? Is it because they don't trust the American people with I the information? I think so. I think so. They think we're going to freak out. I think also another big reason, personally, before we get to our final story here, which is before before we get to this final story, let me just tell you, as, as a teaser, I think this is my favorite story, aside from the Dulce base, early on here in our, our podcasting journey. 
This is one of my favorite stories ever that's about to come well, up. Well, I can't believe you dug it up. Aha, I see what you did there. You'll understand that pun. But I think one of the other reasons why the government doesn't um, fully disclose the truth about UFOs, aliens, you know, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon, not our abbreviation of unidentified alien podcast, is because they use this stuff to, for, for the military. They reverse... Uh, engineer a lot of this technology that gives us Kevlar, that gives us laser technology, that gives us night vision goggles and, you know, fiber optics. And so military and, tef- and Teflon frying pans. Yes. Look at that. Practically used for alien technology as well. And of course, you know, used for uh, spy planes and things like that to disappear off of radar. And right. So there's so many uses for alien technology that we've reverse engineered that we know about as civilians. I can't imagine what's kept under wraps at Area 51. Yeah, I or, think they keep spoon feeding you know, us with stuff. They're like, these humans are so dumb. I think that's really what it they is. They need to speed it up here. Yeah, no, right. They are like, we're, we're like the Flintstones to the aliens. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think that's what it is mainly, is they don't want to let on to all the things that they've been able to reverse engineer because of national security, so to speak. They don't want to have China or Russia come on and be like, oh, let us get that too. We didn't know you had that. So if there's full disclosure, then that means other countries are going to find out and say, say, shouldn't we be sharing this with all humans? I mean, well, if we go back to our Valiant Thor episode, yeah, he that, said so. Yeah, exactly. And that didn't go too well. So yeah. again, if you want to hear any of the other episodes we've ever done, 850WFTL.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and also on the 850WFTL.com is our UAP blog where you can see all the pictures that pertain to what we spoke about in this episode and all the previous episodes as well. Amen. Including... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Let's, oh, boy. Uh, we buried the lead. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what this story is. We talked about the Roswell version of Pennsylvania, the Roswell version of Mexico, and now Texas has their own Roswell incident, and this predates the original Roswell of New Mexico. Really? By 50 years, Karen. Oh, my goodness. We're like pre-1900s. Exactly. We go back to 1897 here in Aurora, Texas. Wow. I'll try to explain this one because yes, uh, that's way back when. Um, actually, this area, the Aurora Cemetery, may contain the most important grave in the world. Mm-hmm. It may contain aliens. That's right. From a, a pilot from a spaceship that crashed April 17th, 1897. Here's a little bit of the audio from a guy that knows the cemetery well. And this is the, my understanding that he was moved and buried elsewhere so that, you know, people couldn't go around digging him up. And it would make sense to agree. The people that did that are all dead. I don't know if they passed it on to anybody else, but I'm not aware of anybody that knows actually the, the actual burial site. But, you know, again, you know, that going back to that good old Texas law, you got to get permission of the next of kin to dig them up anyway, so unless who knew? Unless you're the people <laughs> that's going to move him. Yeah, so like an exhumation, you'd have to, like, phone some sort of other planet and find out if it's okay and what you're right yeah exactly et phone home right are you the parent of this alien and so what he's referring to there is in 1897 there was this crash okay now keep in mind i don't want to gloss over 1897 because that's important here the timeline the wright brothers didn't invent flight until 1903 okay okay this is six years before the invention of flight so 1897 you're sitting in your ranch there in Aurora, Texas, and you see something flying in the air. 
You're and, like, what the heck is that? And the pilot of the spaceship is the guy they buried. Yes. We didn't have pilots back. Did we even have the word pilot? No, I don't think we did. So again, the, the timeline here is... Of here the, lies the guy that was in the thing. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even know what to refer to this as because there had never been anything flying before. That's right. That they had ever seen. Now, so keep that in mind because it's, it's extremely important. It's not like now when you have a sighting and you can say, oh, well, it was a drone. There was nothing. It's yeah. 1897. Yes, right. So they see this thing flying through the air. It's crashing to Earth. This is reported by multiple witnesses at the time. It was even in the newspaper. Um, it's one of the first reported sightings on print, actually. It hit a windmill. It hit a windmill. <laughs> and so they have, they have a memorial to all this in Aurora, Texas. And so, of course, the townspeople, they go to check it out. And they tell the kids to stay behind. One of the kids is Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time. I tried, Karen, when I tell you. I you know you scoured. Everywhere. Yeah, so find, she was 15 yes. in 1897. So there could be audio of her speaking about it there was, somewhere. There was a 1972 interview, and I've seen the interview before. Okay. And for the life of me, okay, I could not find this interview for this episode. I wanted to play the audio for everyone so they could hear the interview themselves. But unfortunately, it's been like scrubbed from existence. So I can just tell you firsthand from that interview, she spoke about matter-of-factly that her parents told her to stay behind at the barn. They were going to go check out the scene. And they told her what they saw. They had no reason to lie. Again, there's nothing to gain from this. They discovered the alien body. They forbade her to go. Yes. They, they, you know, they said, look, you stay here and finish your chores. So we'll tell you what's going on. Yeah. And they did. And they, they told her, look, we had, we found an alien body. We found a body that wasn't human. There was wreckage. And they buried it. They they got the pastor. They had a Christian burial for this otherworldly being. Really interesting. And they, uh, you know, gave him Christian final rites. And they took well, the wreckage and put it into the, the, the grave with the alien. Oh, that's cool. Because they're saying that the craft hit the windmill. It was torn to pieces right. along with the occupant, whoever this person was, thing. And then um, they were blocked by the uh, scientists wanted to dig it up. Right. But the Cemetery Association, because like the sound said, the exhumations could only be authorized by next of kin. Exactly. So you might be wondering, well, if there's an alien buried there with a gravestone, by the way, that marks it. There is a gravestone That's there. That's what they said. Still, to this day, that people go to visit They say that says, here lies, you know, space traveler who crashed in 1897 along with his wreckage. And, you know, unknown. But he's not there. But he's not there because... He well, here's the thing. Like you said, you needed, by Texas state law, you needed permission from next of kin to dig it up so nobody could ever do it. They wanted yeah, but to. That, that, that it, it wouldn't apply. That jurisdiction doesn't apply to space. To space, right. So, of course, there were always fights over this. Well, eventually, Karen, you had MUFON, who we've spoken about before. Yeah, MUFON.org. Right. It's uh, the mutual UFO, not MUF, that's MUFON.org. MUFON.org. Oh. MUFON is the mutual UFO network, and they have different divisions around the country. Um, and they tried to investigate this site some years ago. And when they went to go investigate it, they did some uh, metal detector work. And they actually found spikes of detection of metal at the grave site. So again, how did they dig it up? Well, they were trying to get special permission. By the time they got back to go try to dig this grave site up, guess what? No more spikes. Of course not. Metal detectors. When you say spikes, you mean the, the metal detector right. was pegging. Exactly. Not metal spikes in the ground. But yes. they, they need to relax this exhumation law there. I know. I mean, get come on. And then there was this Charlie Stevens. He was 10. 
right. when it happened, and he explained that he saw the airship trailing smoke as it headed north toward Aurora, and he went. He wanted to see what happened, but his dad says, no, finish your chores. <laughs> hey, <laughs> priorities. He, hey, yeah, I think that's what our kids need today, some chores. Yes. Uh, but he said that his father went down the next day and saw the wreckage from the crash. That's right. So again, these are witnesses who have nothing to gain. There was no, there wasn't a Roswell. Okay? They weren't getting clicks <laughs> by claiming this. Yes, exactly. These are just regular old people who are living their lives pre twentieth century. They didn't go viral. No. So they they just they saw something crashing to the ground again six years before flight was even invented, and this is this is their story. This is what they say that they saw. So you have to wonder to yourself. Out of all the stories we've ever spoken about, whether it was Valiant Thor, the Dulce base, underwater bases, whatever we've talked about in the past, Eisenhower meeting with the aliens, Nixon taking Jackie Gleason to meet aliens at Homestead Air Force Base, which again, these are all in previous episodes if you want to look at our previous episodes and listen. Out of everything we've ever spoken about, this one story, to me, has to be one of the most compelling, for lack of a better term, damning stories of evidence toward the existence of something otherworldly because you have these people from 1897 who have nothing to gain who have nothing to lose by reporting this it's reported in the local newspaper and what else can they say they see something flying through the air before flight even existed on earth so they have no other way to explain it other than what they saw which is an airship trailing smoke wreckage a body on a the ground flying saucer of some sort right you know that i don't think that was mainstream back in the 1800s that right. the, that aliens were in flying saucers but you know it makes me think of the dinosaurs and their extinction and what caused it they're saying what was it a big meteor or asteroid maybe it was a spaceship the only other the only other explanation is that it was some type of meteor meteorite whatever that's the only other explanation but they called it an airship yeah. i mean i think they would they would know the difference of of a rock and some type of flying instrument, right? right I mean, right. it's not. It's, I know it's a hundred years ago, but it's not like they were dumb. And then Mufon comes back, and the metal detector doesn't tra- pick up anything. That's weird, right? So that's the thing about this too. They had a burial. It's not, it's not like they're going to throw meteor fragments into right a grave it and was like do a some Christian sort of a being. Yeah, I mean, they they had a body. And it was dead. So they, they did the only thing they knew how to do, which was have a respectful Christian burial. They did that for this being. They put the wreckage in there. Years later, it's investigated by MUFON. They see the, the pegging on their metal detectors that there's something under there. They come back to investigate, and it's gone. And so the question is, where did all this stuff go? Because the gravesite is still there to this day. But now there may not be anything in there because it started to gain more notoriety. It started to be investigated. People, there was a lot of different specials, TV specials and movies being made about this in the 70s and the 80s. So as that started to happen, well, that catches the attention of not only the populace, but of the government. Well, I think it's weird that we talk about all of this and all these sightings, but we have no tangible evidence of an alien. You know what I mean? We don't have a corpse. We don't have... Really One, photographic evidence. You know, unless you want to believe, again, That's stories like this. Yeah. You know, stories like this where people say they had the body and they buried it. Or Roswell, where people, you know, different people have said that they've seen bodies. Jackie Gleason, who said that, you know, Richard Nixon showed him I alien have, bodies. I like the sweaty, hairless one with the three arms. Did he have three arms? I think it was three fingers. Three fingers. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that was the one in Brazil. That was uh, Brazil's Roswell. There's a lot of sightings, but we never actually have a physical either body or photo. That they let us see anyway. Right. I mean, there's kids that have drawn stuff. Right. 
and it all looks the same. Yeah, no, it's a good point. You know, again, previous episodes, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find UAP or on 850WFTL.com. We talked about the happening in, um, oh, I forget the name of the city, but in, in Brazil, with those three those girls. Three women, yeah. They saw what they described as some type of alien you know, sitting crash landed. He crash was like landed. he was dazed and confused. Yeah, after he was he, injured. Yeah, he was injured. And they, I mean, they have you know descriptions of that. And another incredible story that we've talked about in the past, and I think it was our mass uh, sightings episode, where you had uh, the school children in Africa. Right. I believe it was Zimbabwe. Yeah, and they drew pictures of it. They all drew identical pictures of the alien that landed. In the back of the school. I mean, it was an incredibly big ship. They, they drew pictures of the aliens that they saw. So, again, these are all eyewitness accounts. We've just never had that one moment yet, yet, where an alien has come on TV and said, hey, I'm an alien. I want to take a selfie with an alien. That would be something. How fun would that be? I mean, now we've got this proliferation of cell phones with cameras. We should start seeing more photographic evidence if they're this pervasive. I mean, look, there's oh, there's always reported sightings. I mean, Unless they jam it electronically or give an EMP. Well, that's the thing that makes it tough, too. I mean, you can go to YouTube and type in UFO sightings and a million videos pop up. But what's real and what's photoshopped and what's digitally made by somebody in their, you know, in their bedroom? We don't know now. <laughs> you know? I don't want to know. Right. So it's hard to tell. And that's why I find these stories that we cover on UAP so fascinating and compelling because... There's no... M- motive to come up with this right these are things that are verified by radar these are things that are verified by seasoned pilots by eyewitness accounts and newspaper reporting right in times like in aurora texas anyway in times before your flight even existed you know before the turn of the 20th century so we tried to to give those types of stories to you and again, you could always go on YouTube and just look up videos but you don't know what's real you don't know you don't know what you're looking at exactly it, that's there's so many things that we don't know whether or not it's true or real or not. It's just, it's a crazy time we're living in. Well, speaking of crazy times, Karen. Yes, next now, week. Now is a good time to preview next week, episode 19 of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, where we are going to venture in to the crazy astronomical world of purported time travelers. Oh, I love it. And I know we've talked about portals and stargates before. And lost but, time. Yes, but this is, these are time travelers and interstellar portals where a man named, well, I don't want to give away the name yet, but a man who uh, talked about being part of a 1980s experiment with teenagers with a guy named Barack Obama. <laughs> On Mars. Where they were sent to Mars together. And even another guy who talks about how he was recruited right out of his bedroom as a teenager and spent 20 years on the moon on bases and on Mars fighting interstellar wars. I'm telling you, these stories are ridiculous, but they're amazing. I love it. You make up your own mind when you you hear them. You make up your mind, exactly. It's incredible. I love it. That's interesting because, you know, what what is the purpose of the moon? The Earth and we, the people on it, would not survive without the moon and the tides and all of that. But also, is it like a Death Star? <laughs> well, according to some people, we have there's a lot more on the is moon it than cheese? just cheese. <laughs> maybe not cheese, but there's a lot more on the moon than uh, than just craters, according to some people. So so interesting. We're gonna get into some of those stories next week on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Remember to download and subscribe to this and any other future episodes. You can rate us with five extraterrestrial stars. Please. And find us on 850WFTL.com on the UAP blog and, of course, wherever you find your podcasts. For Karen Curtis over there, I'm Stephen Diener. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Stephen.